Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Now, it's Everything is Golden on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Here is your host, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly. Welcome to Everything is Golden. This week's episode is not so golden. It is called... From Paradise to Hell. We are, of course, talking about the events that have overtaken the Hawaiian island Maui. A paradise. The imagery of Hawaii, of course, is something that we all see. A tropical paradise. The trade winds just blowing through it with ease. People sitting underneath the palm trees or enjoying the ocean. We don't think of Hawaii as a place that looks apocalyptic a place lit up by fires, fires that chase people from their homes, in some cases, into the ocean. But that is exactly what happened. The coverage is wall-to-wall in some newspapers. For instance, the LA Times has devoted a lot of coverage to it, the Daily Mail, the Associated Press, and others. One of the stories in the uh, Los Angeles Times, how a perfect storm of climate and weather led to the catastrophic Maui fire. Drought, howling winds, plummeting humidity, tender, dry grass, a historic city of exposed wood structures, and a thirsty rain shadow. The LA Times goes on to say that to a Californian, many of the factors that appear to have coalesced in the fires that Maui is experiencing are all too familiar to what Californians experience. A tropical region of the world that traditionally sees only mild wildfire activity, the chance of interaction of terrain, weather building, development, vegetation, the growing force multiplier of climate change. And we're going to talk about that because a lot of people are already throwing around this idea that climate change has a lot to do with it. Now, I'm not going to dispute whether that's right or wrong, but I'm going to question where's the evidence of climate change. Even after that sentence, the LA Times says this, the exact cause of ignition remains under investigation. In other words, they don't know what be, what, where the fires originated from, what started this. But what is known, says the LA Times, is that 80% of Hawaii is under abnormally dry conditions, with more than 14% of the region in moderate drought. 3%, 3%, of Hawaiian, the Hawaiian Islands are in severe drought. A lack of humidity, a lack of moisture is what you need in order to get a place like Hawaii to experience drought conditions, says Samantha Stevenson, associate professor at the Bren School of Environmental Sciences and Management at U.S. Santa Barbara. And then they, there's talk about the winds. The winds, if you're in California, blow usually from west to east. But the opposite happens in Hawaii. On islands such as Maui, the winds blow from east to west, and that impacts what we're talking about here, the way that the winds blew from the east coast of the island of Maui to the west. That means the ecosystems on the western slopes, often brushy scrubland with more than lush forest. So the fires that they are seeing on the dry side, on the leeward side of the island, 
There's a lot of dry brush this time of year. It's also unusually dry and warm. Monday, they had winds from a passing Category 4 hurricane. That Category 4 hurricane occurred 300 miles to the south of, south of Maui. There was a high-pressure system up north, and all of these ingredients worked. However, this fire got started to make this fire go out of control. Now, what was on the island? Homes and structures, a lot of them made of wood. 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 What happens in a dry condition where there's a lot of wood? It burns. And that is what happened here. People also talk about the land use changes, and we're going to get into that a little bit later because the way that land has been used in this paradise, this paradise of Hawaii, also had an impact. There's an article in the Daily Mail, How Much of Maui Has Been Burned. Well, right now, as of the end of last week, there were six active wildfires continuing to burn. The fires that were burning in Hawaii as of the end of last week were 80% contained. But believe it or not, there were evacuations still underway. Over 270 homes and buildings in the historic town of Lahaina, Lahaina, the former capital of the Hawaiian kingdom, were burned down. There was also, some would say, a divine intervention, one of the oldest Catholic, to the oldest Catholic church. The Catholic church in Lahaina was spared, as well as a 150-year-old banyan tree that consumes, I think, 40-some-odd acres, was also spared. Thousands of residents, though, and tourists, forced to flee. There's no electricity, phone service. If you have seen the pictures that came out of this area, devastating. You see ruins, smoldering ruins. There are pictures of cars that are lined up as if they were all trying to get somewhere, but they were all burned out. And from other news reports, there were also corpses in some of the vehicles. Now, you can imagine what that's like to try to, well, no, you can't. You can imagine, though, what the horror must be like to be in a car trying to flee a fire, realizing you can't get out, and the fire just consumes you, consumes you in the automobile that you're in. It's just horrible, unbearable reality. That's what the Washington Post says, describing what happened in Lahaina. Lahaina confronts unbearable reality. But there's good in things. The hometown refugees are the ones that are banding together now. From the deep blue water off Maui, you can smell what remains of this still smoldering beach town before you can see it. Imagine that. On shore, the destruction is widespread. It's near total. Rows of wood-framed buildings, entire neighborhoods, reduced to piles of ash. The twisted shells of burned-out getaway cars. Stuck in a permanent traffic jam. Banyan trees, blackened and stripped, and everywhere, the scent of smoke. The wildfire that sparked Tuesday night, propelled by hurricane winds and fueled by months of drought, swept over the westernmost swath of Maui, destroying thousands of buildings, killing an untold number of people. One resident described it as a, like a blowtorch that was running through. There were 13,000 people in this community of Lahaina, and now many of them are trying to figure out the ones that survived, how to navigate this new unbearable reality. Cut off, they were cut off from communication. They have no power, no reliable communications. Some of them, of course, are dealing with the loss of their homes, many of them. 
but they're banding together to share basic necessities and try to deal with this long road that they have coming into recovery. Many believe it, and we can understand this, are unhappy. They're angry that their local government, the utility company, whose fallen power lines are now a ubiquitous site in the town, and many people are blaming those down power lines for the fire, although the origin of this fire has not yet been determined. Now, the last time La Haina had a major fire was five years ago. Another hurricane, Hurricane Lane, produced winds that powered flames that burned down nearly two dozen homes. Since then, locals in La Haina have been calling for more safety measures, including having the power lines buried, but that did not happen. Residents that did escape said the smell of fire and fire was all around them. The smell of smoke and fire. Some of them escaped, but they could not get their pets out. And they're hoping that their pets somehow find a way, found a way to escape. The schools, their businesses, elementary schools burned down. The schools burned down. The business owners, many of them, have no business left. CBS News, some Maui residents are questioning why they weren't told to evacuate. There's the owner of the Cahola Brewery a co-owner, said he had to make the difficult decision to evacuate without any official guidance from the government over the worsening conditions or the lack of power. Nothing came by phone. Nothing came through any of the news sources. Imagine that. This thing erupts in the middle of the night. There's nothing, no warning at all as to what's happening. The next thing you know, if you're there in it, you have to figure out, maybe I got to get out of here. If you can, Hawaii emergency management records show no indication, none, that any of the warning sirens that would indicate that there's a danger, not one of them were triggered before these wildfires took over. This brewery owner says he had driven to work Tuesday morning. He noticed the escalating winds, saw fallen power lines. He had to take an alternate route to get to work. When he got there, he and his employees decided remaining at work would be unsafe due to the worsening conditions. So they decided to evacuate themselves. And many people are asking, where was the government? I mentioned earlier that incredibly, La Haina Church and this famous banyan tree are still standing. Not 40 acres, by the way, two acres. A small act of mercy has come to light in Maui. The Lahaina Church has been spared the devastation that raised the rest of the historic town to the ground. This video was posted on TikTok. It shows the Maria Lalakila Catholic Church downtown Lahaina still standing, almost looking untouched. One of the residents in the community took to Facebook to express gratitude. May she be the beacon of hope to help the rest of the community. Lahaina's banyan tree, which covers two acres. I think it has, that's it, it has 47 trunks, not 47 acres, 47 different trunks. If you're familiar with the banyan tree, once it establishes, it sends out roots, and then from that root, another trunk will grow, and another trunk, and another trunk, it just spreads. It's all connected to one tree system. But this massive tree has 47 different trunks now. It came to India 
from India to Hawaii in 1873. It's not yet known because it was scorched, whether it will survive, whether it suffered damage, but so far the tree is still standing, although it's scorched, and the church. Now, I mentioned to you that there were discussions about climate change. One of the pieces that I read started talking about the change of, of climate and so forth and how climate affected this. And I don't want to get into an argument with people that are intensely devoted to the idea of climate change. But there is no evidence yet that would indicate that climate change is behind this. One of the things that's been talked about is the fact that in Hawaii, there were a lot of, and especially in this area, Lahaina, Lahaina, there were agricultural fields that were abandoned from pineapple plantations and native grasses took over. And there were also non-native grasses that have taken over agricultural lands. And they've never been culled. They've never been managed. Of course, when the agriculture is active, these lands are managed. Well, this is unmanaged land. And this fuel for fires was allowed to just continue to grow. Continue to grow. There's an article in the Daily BS... Climate activists warm up as wildfires burn in Hawaii. They mention an Associated Press article quoting Erica Fleischman, the director of the Oregon Climate Change Research Institution at Oregon State, saying that climate change in many parts of the world is increasing vegetation dryness, in large part because temperatures are hotter. However, my friends, not all climate experts agree with that claim. Anthony Watts, senior fellow at Heartland Institute in Illinois, a meteorologist since 1978, says many factors are at play in the Maui fires that aren't related to climate crisis. Hawaii is one of the most fire-prone states because of its topography. Trade winds drop moisture on the east, and when the air passes over the mountains and down the other sides, it dries out, it heats up. He points to, and Mr. Watts does what I just talked about with the lands. They used to be rich with sugarcane plantations. That stopped as of 2016. Those unattended sugarcane fields were overtaken by dry, easily flammable grass. That, by the way, is non-native to the island, came in the 1900s. So it's not necessarily climate change. Jack Spencer, senior fellow in the Heritage Foundation Center, for Energy, Climate, and Environment, says that Hawaii has been setting itself up for more intense fires for some time. For fires to burn, they need fuel, and Hawaii has plenty of it. The argument of whether climate change has to do with this or not is a really small point for those people that are suffering. There are pictures of people in the ocean having watched their houses burn down. They're not thinking about climate change. They're thinking about how to survive. In the coming days, weeks, months, there are probably going to be a bunch of scammers trying to make money off this tragedy as they do off of every tragedy. But there will also be well-meaning and good people who will set up operations where people can help those who survived and to help the families and loved ones of those who did not. And for anyone who's been truly moved by what's taken place 
in Hawaii, we just urge you in this paradise that turned into hell, if your inclination is to find a way to help those in need who truly suffered with this, we pray that you find a way to make that happen. That's it for this week's episode of Everything is Golden. And our prayers and thoughts for those who have suffered so much in a paradise that has briefly turned to hell.